This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Beyond the beauty of Toronto's oldest buildings lie dark and terrifying tales of murder, betrayal, and tragedy. These true stories are what many believe resulted in Toronto being one of the most haunted cities in the country. From mansions to lighthouses and forts, the bloody and tragic tales have turned this beautiful city to a nightmare for those who are unfortunate enough to come across the paranormal. Join us as we discuss the history and hauntings of Toronto. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Janet pushed open the heavy wooden door to the washroom and flicked on the light. She placed her purse down on the sink and turned the knob to the faucet, which took three full cranks before the water started dribbling out. She muttered something about water pressure under her breath as she hopelessly tried to scrub a wine stain out of the sleeve of her white shirt. After about a minute, she abandoned her effort and shut the faucet off. The floor was wet. She hadn't noticed when she came in, but noticed now. It wasn't flooded, but just wet enough to make a slight splash sound when she walked. She turned toward the bathroom stalls and was slightly startled to see two feet beneath the door to one of the stalls. This was nothing that should have been startling, since it was a multiple-occupant washroom, but she was slightly unnerved because the feet were bare and seemed to be bruised or dirty, or both. Janet walked past the stall with the feet and past the next one, too, choosing the third one. A few moments went by when the lights flickered and Janet felt as if the temperature in the room was dropping. Suddenly, a shock of panic struck her as she realized that the person with the bare feet had been in the stall when she came in and turned on the light, meaning whoever was sitting in that stall had been sitting there in the complete dark. That's when the toilet from the other stall flushed, causing Janet to let out a quick, inadvertent shriek, which she abruptly suppressed almost as quickly as it came out. Not a second after the flush, all the stall doors simultaneously swung open. This time Janet did scream as she instinctively jumped up. She leaned over and saw that the feet hadn't moved. Immediately, her fight-or-flight impulse kicked in and she bolted out of her stall, keeping her eyes forward, not wanting to see what was sitting in that stall. But as she went past, something in her peripheral made her stop and turn her head. The stall was somehow empty. With a population of just under 3 million people, Toronto is the most populated city in all of Canada. During the War of 1812, the town of York took massive damage from American troops. York was then renamed and incorporated as the City of Toronto in 1834. In 1867, it was designated as the capital of the province of Ontario during Canadian Confederation. Today, the city is a prominent center for music, sporting events, media outlets, 
museums and galleries, and attracts over 43 million tourists every year. While most visitors come for sporting events, vacation, or music, some seek out the city for its reputation as being one of the most haunted places in the country. From haunted forts, mansions, and restaurants, to jails and hundreds of haunted homes, there's no shortage of paranormal activity in the capital city. Let's start with the Mackenzie House. This home was first owned by William Lyon Mackenzie, the first mayor of the city back in the mid-19th century. Mackenzie also led the rebellion in 1837 to overthrow British rule. The building has since turned into a museum and has earned a reputation as one of the most haunted homes in all of Toronto. Mackenzie only lived at the home for about two years before he died inside his bedroom on the second floor. But it seems that his spirit may be one of the many ghosts that still haunt this home more than 150 years after his death. In the 1950s, paranormal activity reported by the live-in caretakers made news headlines. Quote, Mrs. Edmund one night claimed that she was awoken by a soft touch on the shoulder. When she opened her eyes, Mrs. Edmund said that there was a lady bending over her, looking into her face. But a few seconds later, the lady vanished. A few weeks later, Mrs. Edmund claims it happened again, but this time, she said the lady drew back her hand and slapped her in the face before vanishing. Sightings of a ghostly man wearing a wig and frock coat have been reported all over the house, most frequently on the third floor. The sounds of footsteps and cold spots have been documented throughout the building. A female apparition with long flowing hair has been seen on the second floor, and poltergeist activity has been recorded at this location, including the old printing press in the basement, which has been witnessed mysteriously turning on. This has been reported by staff and visitors. It's also said that the ghosts seem to be obsessed with the new plumbing in the building faucets that turn on and off, and toilets seemingly flushing on their own. There have also been reports of the piano mysteriously playing on its own in the parlor. In the late 1960s, an exorcism was performed in the home by Archdeacon John Frank from Toronto's Church of the Holy Trinity. He was joined by a reporter from the Telegram, Aubrey Weiss. The exorcism was televised, and after the exorcism, ownership of the home was transferred from the non-profit to the city of Toronto. Listed in the inventory of the house was, quote, one ghost exercised. This would be the second time that a ghost was listed in Toronto by an official government document. The Gibraltar Point Lighthouse was built in 1808 when Toronto was still called York. The building is the oldest of its kind still standing on the Great Lakes and the second oldest in all of Canada. It was decommissioned in the 1950s, but still stands today. The lighthouse is mostly hidden away from the path around Hanlon's Point, but if you wander through the greenery and away from the beachgoers, you can make your way to what might be one of the most haunted lighthouses in North America, with at least one gruesome legend. In 1815, the lighthouse's first keeper mysteriously disappeared. His name was most likely J.P. Raiden Mullen, but some reports have him listed as J.P. Raiden Mueller and a couple other variations. Regardless of what his name actually was, locals began to suspect a group of soldiers from Fort York who had stopped by the lighthouse to purchase some alcohol from the keeper who used bootlegging to supplement his income. On their long winter march back to the fort, their liquor began to freeze. This led the soldiers to believe that JP had diluted the booze with water. 
feeling cheated, the soldiers returned to the lighthouse and murdered Mueller, dismembering his body and burying it beneath the lighthouse. The two soldiers, both Irishmen, John Blumen and John Henry, were charged but later acquitted of his murder as his body had yet to be discovered. According to Eamon O'Keefe, who verified many of the facts surrounding the legend, JP was indeed murdered, likely by the two soldiers. But he cast doubt on the idea that his body was mutilated. He believes he was buried about 500 feet west of the lighthouse after bone fragments including a jawbone were discovered in the early 1900s by another lighthouse keeper. Legend has it, the lighthouse is haunted by the ghost of Mueller. Hundreds of ghost sightings have been reported over the decades, including mysterious lights being turned on in the windows when the lighthouse is vacant, bloodstains that appear on the staircase, and shadowy forms gliding across the sands in the moonlight. Fort York, where the murderers of the lighthouse keeper likely came from, has no shortage of paranormal activity itself. On April 27, 1813, 181 men died in the six-hour-long Battle of York. Americans stormed the camp with 2,700 troops, defeating the 750 British that held the fort. Quote, the sky blackened with debris and gravity took effect, and pieces of timber, stone, and even body parts started to rain back down on the people. The dead were buried in shallow graves around the fort, but heavy rain caused many of these corpses to resurface in the following days, so locals had the gruesome task of reburying the bodies. The corpses wouldn't stay buried long. During the late 1820s, the shoreline began to erode away, exposing some of the human remains. Then, in May of 1829, a portion of the shoreline at the eastern end of Humber Bay washed away, revealing a staggering amount of human skeletons. The commanding officer of Fort York authorized their removal and reinterment in what is now Memorial Square. After decades of ghost sightings, Fort York has earned its spot among Canada's most haunted locations. According to James Woe, who held an anniversary party at the fort, while closing down for the evening, the heavy door on the second floor slammed shut behind him without any human existence. He claimed that it was not an easy trick and requires a bit of effort to close normally, but it effectively shut him out of the building. One week before this party, two other visitors experienced what they believe may be the same door-slamming ghost. They were in the officers' quarters around 4.45 p.m. on a Sunday evening. While leaving the kitchen and heading towards the sergeant's quarters, the kitchen door slammed tight behind them. They searched the building and confirmed that they were in fact alone at the time. According to a couple who had been taking their dog on walks at Fort York for years, in 1998 their dog had run off to chase a squirrel. The husband looked up and noticed a man wearing dark greenish clothes standing and watching him from about 50 meters away. The man was leaning against a tree, just watching him. The husband took a quick look over to the car to make sure nobody was breaking into it, and when he looked back, the mysterious figure had vanished. He sensed that something odd was going on and made his way through the snow to the tree that the man was leaning on. When he reached the tree, not only was there nobody there, but there were also no footprints in the fresh snow anywhere around the location besides his own. Staff have reported lights that will mysteriously turn on in the officers' quarters when the building is vacant, and in the same room, multiple ghostly silhouettes have been spotted through the windows, appearing to be an entire party of ghostly soldiers moving about the dining room table. 
when approached by staff, these apparitions seemed to fade away more and more the closer they would get. When they approached the door, the ghostly shadows would completely disappear and the light would dim to darkness. Another couple witnessed the curtains in the windows of Building 3 lifted up. At first, the couple assumed that their son was messing around with the curtains, but after making their way up the stairs, they realized that he hadn't entered the room. They thought it was odd, but didn't think much of it until a breeze passed through the room. They focused on the curtains to see if they could witness them fly up, but they didn't budge, leading them to believe that it was not wind or a human hand that had lifted the curtains. Shortly after, in the kitchen area, the same couple heard the sound of someone trying to push open the kitchen door. Everyone stepped aside, waiting for whoever it was on the other side to burst through, but they never did. They opened the door after a moment and were shocked to see that nobody was there trying to get through. Visitors report the smell of gunpowder and even rotting flesh. Full-bodied apparitions of soldiers had been witnessed standing in the surrounding woods and in the fort itself. Voices, footsteps, and loud knocks are heard echoing from vacant rooms, including one staff member who reported hearing a voice as something unseen rushed past him, whispering the phrase, never again. With no shortage of haunted locations in Toronto, one mansion seems to sit atop most paranormal enthusiasts' list. Keg Mansion was built in 1867 by Arthur McCaster. The massive mansion has 26 rooms and 17 fireplaces. In 1873, Hart Massey moved in with his family. He made his fortune off selling farming equipment. The Massey family quickly became one of the most prominent families in all of Toronto, and Hart helped fund buildings at the University of Toronto, having Massey Hall named after him. After his death, his daughter Lillian ran his enterprise, which was unheard of at the time. In 1915, she fell ill and died in the home and one of her most devoted maids was so grief-stricken that she apparently hanged herself in one of the rooms. Not long after, a young boy who was visiting the mansion fell down the stairs and died of his injuries. Today, the mansion stands as one of the most haunted buildings in all of Toronto, and some say it could be the most haunted location in the entire country. The most frequently reported haunting is the ghost of a young boy who haunts the stairwell. Families who visit the home claim that their children are drawn to the staircase. They say that they want to play with the boy on the stairs. The ghostly boy is mostly spotted by children, but adults and some staff have claimed to have seen this ghost as well. Along the staircase is a banister with wooden spindles underneath. One Saturday night, one of the spindles came crashing down, landing on a bar top below, startling the bartender and people nearby. The manager at the time searched around to see where it came from. The spindle was replaced, and the staff recorded the incident in their logbook. One year later, to the day, the same spindle, which had been fixed, fell again. The exact same one, one year later, to the day. They are unsure if this coincides with the day that the boy would have fallen to his death, but many believe this may be the case. The second most popular sighting is what has been described as a creepy woman in the washroom upstairs. One guest reported entering the washroom to see a pair of feet in one of the stalls from underneath. Thinking nothing of it, she went into the stall beside it and said that the toilet flushed on its own. And then all of a sudden, all of the doors to all of the stalls opened at the exact same time, but nobody came out of the stall next to her. She was in the bathroom by herself. 
Beneath the tower, in secrets hushed and grim, the keeper now rests, his light grown dim. His spirit wanders in moonlit haze, a ghostly figure lost in time's maze. On misty nights, when the winds do wail, the lighthouse echoes with a haunting tale. Footsteps unheard, but a presence felt, the keeper's ghost in sorrow dwelt. A phantom lantern swings in the pale moonlight, casting shadows dancing in the silent night. The keeper lingers, bound by ancient lore, a ghostly guardian on Hanlon's shore. The waves they whisper, the secrets they've seen, of a lighthouse keeper forever in between. The soldiers may have thought his light to quell, but his ghostly flame still guards the shore well. So if you find yourself near Gibraltar's point, listen closely to the ghostly joint of waves and wind and whispers in the rain, the lighthouse keeper's eternal pain. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Ghosts of Toronto. going on ladies and gentlemen welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 107 keg mansion in the ghosts of toronto we are back with our regularly scheduled episodes i'm jesse wilkins i'm joined by rob coakley hello rob oh, i'm sorry i'm on the phone with my lawyer right now for you stealing my bit at the end there poetry i'll see you in court okay well jokes on you we have the same lawyer it's ron meshbesher so i'm gonna call him too we're also joined by dave hello dave Oh, hey, heard there are a lot of ghosts up there, eh? Yeah, not as polite as chat was expecting the ghosts to be, but mm. here we are. So back with another live episode on Tuesdays covering another haunted place. And it turns out there are ghosts in Canada. So let that myth be dispelled. It's a haunted place. Toronto is full of these stories. I was actually pretty excited about it because I wasn't sure how haunted Toronto was really going to be. Now, I had heard about Keg Mansion before because of why wouldn't I hear about a place called Keg Mansion? You know, yeah. yeah, keg full of Bud Light, right? And oh, Miller Light, that was the joke. But I hadn't really heard about these other places. And then I started diving more and more into them. And there were so many. There's so many I haven't even touched on. There are several haunted locations that we still have on the table here in Toronto. So we'll be back for part two to cover some of those. We'll probably touch on some of the lighter, not as haunted locations here, or the smaller ones with shorter stories. Uh, after we discuss some of the main ones, but I'm excited about it, man. Uh, welcome back to everyone. I mean, we didn't really go away. We've been here. We've been doing live episodes, but mini break from these kind of episodes. Thank you all for sticking with us. And uh, this episode is dedicated to VIP patron Dave D. Now, that doesn't mean he died. So I don't want to run into panic. But, yeah. oh, rest in peace, Dave. I think we need to reword but, this. <laughs> maybe we reword it. But every week, if you're on Patreon, you just may get an episode dedicated to you. So that's what it's going to mean. So hopefully Dave's doing all right. <laughs> and if you're listening, Dave, this is this episode's for you, man. So, anyways, uh, we're not trying to start any curses here. We're, we're just dedicating gonna... episodes to people. 
I love it. So uh, Toronto, like we said, has a lot of haunted history. We started off by talking about the McKenzie House. The McKenzie House has a fair share of hauntings. It's kind of cool. This guy's kind of a badass. I mean, he started off, he was a, he led the rebellion to overthrow the British. You know, as, as Americans, we like doing that kind of thing, overthrowing the British. Cool with the British now, you know, but uh, back in the day, it had to be done. So that's what <laughs> happened. But the building is now a museum and uh, it's supposed to be haunted. It's it's one of the more popular haunted places there. He died inside the house um, and there's supposed to be a bunch of hauntings that, that take place there. And the thing that's piqued my interest the most was they actually had an exorcism inside the house. Mm. So I don't know. It sounds like they just kind of, it wasn't like an exorcism on a person that was possessed, but they had a priest come by. They did an exorcism and they even had a, a reporter from the telegram join him. And apparently it was televised. Now this, I scoured the internet, try to find this episode or this interview that was posted or this walkthrough exorcism television broadcast it's nowhere to be found i even scoured through like reddit through all these discussions of people that were trying to track this video down it just it just doesn't exist it's been scrubbed from the internet you're about to say something dave i'm just saying that's weird if it was on tv you'd think there you'd be able to find it somewhere mm-hmm. well, it was weird, like public access channel or something do we do we know like roughly what time frame it was that this was done it was in the late 1960s yeah, well, that makes sense then, right? Because it's harder to find stuff. But in contrast, yeah. I mean, the Gibraltar Point Lighthouse, I found a video from way back when on this. And I, I feel like it was right around the same time frame of them talking about how this haunted lighthouse has been haunted for so many years, which was pretty cool. And, but I, I couldn't find anything on this. I was just surprised that I could find that random little news bit, but I wasn't able to find that. But I, I mean, it's so much harder to find stuff from that, from that time period, even if it had been televised, but it was an exorcism. I mean, they did do, they went through the house and the more compelling part of this is when they turned the house over to the city of Toronto, basically it was a nonprofit that owned it before that. And they ended up turning it over to the city when they turned it over to the city and the list of, you know, in the, in the inventory list on the house, like, you know, there's a piano on this floor, there's a bed in here, whatever, whatever would be on an inventory list on the inventory list. They had one ghost, which has been exercised. And it was actually on an official government document. It sounds silly. And it's like, Hey, cool. But it, if it's been exercised, it's probably not really there anymore. Maybe not, but maybe it's quieted down sometimes with these exorcisms on houses, it gets the paranormal activity in the house to quiet down for a little bit. Sometimes it might completely expel them. I don't really know what the, you know, the efficiency rate is of these kinds of things. But it said this was the second time that a ghost was listed on an official government document. And it kind of alluded to this the first time. And I was really, I'm like, well, what's the first time? I think it's the Gibraltar lighthouse, but I think it, it, it could have been that one or just a different lighthouse. I'm not too sure, but it it had kind of hinted towards the other one was in a lighthouse. I couldn't find an official government document on the Gibraltar lighthouse that said that there was a ghost there, which is why I didn't really add it. I just kind of talked about the second one because that's what this one was, was the second one. I don't know what the first one was. Kind of drove me crazy, but they hinted towards it being a lighthouse. Mm. Yeah. It's weird that you can find the second one, but you can't find the first one. Yeah. Kind of drove me crazy. But And that's just Canadian government, right? That they were referring to, not like worldwide, the first no, I think it was just Canadian government, yeah. Gotcha. Or I don't know if it was just Ontario or Canada. I don't really know. How, how does that work? Is Ontario like, it's like a province, right? A province, yeah. Not They don't have states, they have provinces. Provinces. 
Mm. All right. Glad we get glad we cleared that. Don't ask don't ask me geography questions. I'm not I'm not the guy guy for that. (laughs) Forgot about the strong suits. All right, very good. So uh but to move on to the uh, I found that story was kind of cool. It's a haunted house. I I I like the stories here, but my favorite two stories out of this are are the White House story and the Fort York story. So the White House story, you have what you know, you have a murder that happened here. It's this guy definitely disappeared. They found his remains years and years later. But at the time, he was basically he was bootlegging out of the out of the lighthouse as like a second source of income. And the soldiers from Fort York would make their way over and you know, just buy his liquor or whatever. So he was happy to sell it. But he sold it to these two guys, both named John. John and John. He was also named John. So John sold John and John. Some uh, I, some, I already can't some liquor, that he, some liquor that he watered down, apparently, or at least they thought he did. And as they were making their long winter march back to Fort York, they noticed that the liquor started to freeze, which liquor is not supposed to do. And so they came back, you know, like demanded answers, and a scuffle broke out. And apparently, these guys killed the you know, John and John killed John, and totally reasonable too by the way remember that time we went to what was it tgi fridays or something no, it was red robin and i'll never forget red robin? It. yeah yeah we went to red robin we we're like let's get shots of what was it johnny walker red or black i think it was red yeah yeah and no it was black we yeah, get black. the good stuff we get the good yeah. stuff not the really good stuff because that's too much money but some yeah. you know a little bit better stuff and it was absolutely watered down and we were 100 because we were there with with uh with bro dad as well and mm-hmm. all of us, you know, we took the shot. We all just looked at each other like, nope. <laughs> like, what is this? And so it wasn't like when, do you think that's watered down? I think it might be. We're all like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, so, yeah. Whatever. It's Red Robin. We're not going to start a fight in Red Robin. You know, we're not from. That's uh, shocking. I mean, you, they gave us started a fight everywhere else. Red Robin is sacred ground. <laughs> that's where we draw the line. You got to draw the line somewhere. And it's usually it's Red Robin. Red Robin? TGI yeah. Fridays, all, all, all bets are off. They're actually closed, after this they? show, like we're we're going to TGI Friday to start a fight. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Good luck finding one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the plan, but yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Mm. But these guys took it much more seriously than we did, and they went back and they beat him to death, possibly dismembered his body, and buried it <laughs> underneath the lighthouse. Don't be watering down your booze. Well, it was probably like more like a fight broke out, and they accidentally dismembered him. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I'm walking away. I got a, I got a, I got a forearm in my hand. I'm like, oh, God, I did it. Did we do it again, John? John, we did it again, John. You always do this, John. John, I know, John. I'm John. just so jacked. I punched him in the chest, and all his limbs popped off. Relatable. <laughs> so I know these things happen from time to time. But they got charged with it, so they got brought up on charges. There was a guy who. He went back because it was like a legend and everyone's like, oh, the legend of the lighthouse keeper who disappeared. And this guy, he went back and actually verified a lot of the facts. And his name was Eamon O'Keefe. And he went back and he found out that he was absolutely murdered. I'm annoyed that his name wasn't John. Like that that would have been that too much. That, that would have really taken it. Yeah. So he was definitely murdered. It was likely by the two soldiers. He found out their names that were John and John. And it was John Blumen and John Henry. And they did get charged, but they were later acquitted because they hadn't found the body. They didn't find the body for years. So because there was no body, they were like, well, he's just missing. I think it was dismembered. 
Well, I, I I think that might be part of the legend, and that's where that's where Eamon O'Keefe says like he's like this story happened. This man disappeared. He did die. He was probably murdered by those two guys, but he cast doubt on the idea that that his body was dismembered. And later on, uh, it was like the early 1900s that they actually found human remains. It was buried 500 feet west of the lighthouse, and um, it must they, have looked real hard back then. Well, I think the story was that he was buried underneath the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this about lighthouses, but you do not dig underneath a lighthouse. Okay. Uh, yep. So just keep that in mind. Next time you're near a lighthouse, don't start digging underneath. Anyways. I always want to. It's always, it's always my first instinct is to just, I see a lighthouse. I'm like, I got to dig underneath that. Thing. What am I going to do today? I'm either going to go dig underneath a lighthouse or fight someone at TGI Fridays. It's going to happen. It's Friday. Let's get it going. Um, they found bone frog fragments. Most fragments, fragments. <laughs> found bone frog. frogs. He was wearing a frog coat, and they found fragments. <laughs> Anyways, they found they found human remains. One of those things was a jawbone, and they believe they were his. But they also found remains of what looked like a a casket. So it seems like they just probably dumped his body in a box and buried him, which is why he doesn't think that he was dismembered. But either way, it's a true story. The man died. Pro- you know, he was murdered, buried by the lighthouse. So all of that happened. And then you have the hauntings that followed. And some of the hauntings here at this lighthouse are pretty creepy. And you have your typical one of like the lights being turned on. We see that all over the place where people leave. There's supposed to be nobody inside the lighthouse. There's a little caretaker hut like nearby. So that's where the caretaker would live. He didn't actually live in the lighthouse. But then all of a sudden there would be lights on in the lighthouse again. And they would say, what's going on here? Must be a ghost. And then, but the other hauntings that they get, one of them was particularly creepy, which is there is a blood stain that will appear on the staircase. Well, hang on. That's back back to the the light being on. There are so many of these stories where people like they they leave, they say they shut the lights off, they come back and they find the lights on. What percentage of those do you think are people who just forgot that they actually did leave the lights on? Probably a good chunk. I would say that, and then you could you could chalk another good amount of it up to electrical issues, just faulty wiring. Maybe mm. you forgot to turn the light off, and the light just you know the the wires are loose, and maybe they just went out. So you're like, oh, I did turn that light off, and then as you leave, it just you know jumps electricity jumps and it turns back on. These things happen all the time. Or maybe it's a fucking ghost, Jesse. Or yeah. you have the factor that it could be a ghost, but we like to weigh all possibilities here. But that's not the creepiest of the haunting. So the other one, like I just mentioned, was the blood stain. That's always concerning if you see it. We've seen this in quite a few locations where they will literally try to wash this blood stain off of the floor or the stairs or wherever it's appearing, and then it will just come back. There's an old saying or legend, I guess, not maybe not legend, but there's like an old, not an adage. There's an old saying that like, if there's a blood stain that won't go away ever, it's because it was from a murder of an innocent person. Is that the exact phrasing for that? adage the second part yeah passage first (laughs) preamble not so much (laughs) but that obviously ties in with this story except for the fact that he was in fact cutting the booze so where we stand on that so this the blood stain was the was the guy that was dismembered allegedly allegedly Allegedly, yeah it's it's a haunting so they it's not there all the time but sometimes it shows up so that's part of the haunting and then you get they say that he not only haunts the the lighthouse, but he also haunts the surrounding forest. So they get lights that are kind of moving about throughout the woods. And then they also get these shadowy figures, which they say glide across the sands. And you heard about that in that beautiful poem that I read, which I'm going to be doing every episode going forward is closing it out with a poem. 
It's my idea. I thought of it first. It's mm. a great idea. We're all so happy that you're that you're, you're now I have to, poetry. <laughs> now I have to go back and listen to all my episodes and see if I closed it out with a poem before you did. Absolutely not. I don't think zero zero percent chance you ever did it before <laughs> me. Zero percent chance. I don't know, Chad. What do you can can you recall? I don't think I have. So I'm just I'm I'm just spitting in the dark here. What was Did you say you're, you're spitting in the dark? Is that what yeah? You I said? made up that phrase. I'm a poet. Is what I do. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just spitting in the dark over here. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna do poetry. I'd like a, a poetry slam. And everyone's gonna snap their fingers after I just get up there and say, "I spitted in the dark." <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Natural. Yes. Well, Natural. We're gonna have to do that. We we should go to a poetry slam and get on stage and get booed off mercies <laughs> like like i don't think people that go to poetry slams are the type of people that boo people off stage they haven't seen us yet mm. that's a good point <laughs> and we can't can't knock it if we don't try it uh so this one actually ties in with the next haunted location so these soldiers were coming over from fort york which is arguably way more haunted so this this lighthouse seems to be haunted by at least Mueller's ghost. So maybe just the one might be more. It's been there for a while. There's plenty of families that have gone there. I wouldn't be surprised if more people died in and around that lighthouse, but it seems to be haunted by at least that one ghost. Fort York is like infested with ghosts. This place has a bloody history. You had the, the battle of Fort York, which took place there where hundreds of soldiers died and lots of traumatic events happened here. This was obviously a hotbed or at least it's it's a hot spot for paranormal activity when you have so much stuff that God that, that went down here with people dying very suddenly, obviously in battle, very quick. So this place has so many ghost stories. And we talked about a few of them in the episode. What battles were fought in Toronto? The Battle of York. The Battle of York. Thanks for joining us on this episode, Dave. <laughs> Perhaps more. I mean... The, I think Dave was just really shocked that Canada actually had an army. To be, to be clear, like, I think that's what's going on here. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a bunch of a uh, bunch of ghost stories from this location, and we can go over a few of them here. But we we read through quite a few of them, and the the one that got me out of the ones that we did cover was the one where the family had seen the curtains. The curtains is kind of whatever to me. Um, they said it wasn't the wind. They said the room was drafty, but the curtains weren't even moving. They saw the curtains get lifted up, which isn't really something that wind does. But when it's curtains, it's something that light. Like, I don't know how much I really chalk it up to paranormal, but it could have been. It definitely could have been. But the one that got me is the same family. They went downstairs. <laughs> Donnie says, uh, I think Dave was more shocked that Canada wasn't, <laughs> wasn't in Tennessee. <laughs> um, the one about with that same family, they, they, they saw whatever happened with the curtains. But then when they went down to the kitchen... They said they heard somebody pushing on the door like they were trying to open it to a point where the whole family like stepped out of the way like, hey, someone's coming through. Watch out. And then nobody ended up pushing open the door. A moment later, they opened the door because they thought, oh, they can't get this door open. And then as soon as they open it, nobody's there. Very creepy haunting. And when you get the whole family to react to it, that's when you're like, okay, everybody heard that. And that that's that's pretty wild. So, Yeah, the doors being stuck shut is a – an interesting one because you can tell the difference when a door's stuck shut because of the the latch mechanism or versus when somebody's actually like holding it you can feel like tension against it mm -hmm. and that could induce 
feelings of claustrophobia as well. So it's definitely a layers of spookiness when a haunting like that happens. Yeah, there was another story. I'm not gonna read it word for word because it's really long and we know how these internet ghost stories go. But there was another story where basically a woman was there with her boyfriend or husband and they were in different rooms. He was kind of flying through the house and she was just, she was taking her time to, to read things or vice versa. And she's like, oh, I'm going to hide and I'm going to scare him. So she kind of wedges herself behind this cabinet into this like little crawl space area. And she sits there and she's waiting for him to come in. And she hears this, she hears this loud slam right behind her on the wall. And of course she's startled. So she gets the hell out of there. She's like, oh my gosh. So she's like, wow, the prankster just got pranked. She thought that her boyfriend had gone into the other room, knew what she was doing and just banged on the wall. But when she went over there, he wasn't in that room and he had still been, he was still downstairs. There was nobody up there with her. She's like, that's crazy. So she went downstairs, found him. She was kind of frazzled. She told him about it. He's like, you know, it's a noisy, a noisy building. It's drafty. Maybe it was something like that, but she said it really sounded like somebody just like maybe with both fists just slammed on the wall right there. Like, Hey, stop fucking around. And, uh, Eventually they went back up to that room and she was like, yeah, it was, it was right in here. And they, they walked over to it. And again, as soon as they got close, the slam happened again. So he experienced it as well. They both jumped back like, oh my gosh, this thing does not want us in here. Whatever it is, they explored around and they weren't only the only ones like in those couple of rooms, they were the only ones in the entire building. So that was, that was a pretty wild story. And it's, it's wild to like experience that, but then to go back, and the ghost is like, yeah, I fucking meant it. Get out of here. You know, it's <laughs> actually, that's like best case scenario when you're showing somebody something and you're trying to tell them a ghost story and they're like looking at you kind of out of the side of their eye. And then for it to actually happen while you're telling the story is perfect. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Because that's what you really want, but it's also kind of what you don't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but lose. it's, it's crazy. I mean, for us, we, we want all the smoke, right? But that is, uh. That's what that's what she experienced there. There was other ones. There were some Girl Scouts that were staying there. They were doing some sort of an overnight, and one of them went outside and saw a soldier in, you know, full. He's he's like a red coat, so he's wearing his full uh, red coat coat, probably named John. And she was creeped out by it. She was with her friend, and her friend saw it as well. And they kind of ran off to the bathroom and ran back to the bunk. And when they were running back, they looked over and that that character had disappeared. It was in the middle of the night. So it would have been weird if it was one of those reenactors that was there. So creepy story. You got these kind of settings all over the place, but it sounds like it's just a very noisy place. It sounds like there's a ton of ghost stories here. You had the other one where the guy was walking down the hall and he felt something rush by him. And as it rushed by him, the, there was a whisper, like a voice that just said never again, which is, um, could be Ooh. something from the battle where it's that just like, gave me chills. Yeah. Where mm. he's like, you know, maybe he was coerced into, I don't know, defending the fort longer than he wanted to. Maybe, you know, maybe like, Hey, go, you know, go spend a night at Fort York or something like that. And all of a sudden they get invaded by the Americans. And he's like, dude, come on, never again. I'm getting out of here. You know, I don't know, but it sounds like something residual from that battle. And just that phrase is really creepy. I remember when I was reading that story and writing it and rewording it to fit it into our thing, I was like, I was like, oh, whatever he's about to whisper here is going to be stupid. It was like, never again. I was like, oh, actually, that's kind of creepy. Kind of gave mm -hmm. me goosebumps. So pretty cool story. But there's a ton of them, man. So Fort York, I think of all the locations that I covered in this episode, this one is probably the one I'd like to visit the most. Or it's the last one because the last one, um, Keg Mansion is now a steakhouse, and I, I like steak. Mm, you know, put them both on the list. It's in the same city. The, the short, The short list that we have... 
Yeah. That we're actually getting to this year, right? We're no, starting we're knocking out some of the list. So we're gonna, yeah. we're, we're gonna start knocking a little bit of it out. We're gonna hit Austin next month. Not on the list, but wasn't on the list, but <laughs> is now. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna hit New Orleans, which on the list. Yep. we fought about for six months, but we're actually gonna go to New Orleans and get that covered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have we have so many things to go check out. We're gonna be back. We'll talk more about this later, but yeah, we're we're getting some of that list. X'd off the uh, X'd off the old list there. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever whatever Jesse's been doing tonight, it has rubbed off on. Can you write that down for me so I can use it in my poem? (laughs) (laughs) I spit in the dark and I mark some of the list off the old list. (laughs) It's perfect. I love it. This might be the best poem I've ever written. (laughs) It's going well. It's going well. yeah, so the last one is the Keg Mansion. So the Keg Mansion has a, a bit of a tragic story and then a bit of a strange story. I think there's more to the story than what we were told. So you have the house is purchased. The guy's really well off, selling farming equipment. You know, he built his his uh, his fortune off that. It was Hart Massey. That was his name. It might be Macy. I'm pretty sure it's Massey, the way it's spelt. Very prominent family. He helped to fund the university of Toronto. They named a building after him, typical rich guy stuff from this era. Uh, but when he died, he left his whole enterprise to his daughter, which was like unheard of at the time. They don't, they didn't used to do that. You usually have a business partner take it over. Basically you just wouldn't have a woman take it over, but you know, she took it over and good for her and she did well with it. And, uh, she ended up dying in the home. She got sick and nothing suspicious with her death, but, what was weird about the story was her maid. So she had a maid. It was like her top maid, clearly her most devoted maid. I found it interesting that they, they listed her as the most devoted maid. I'm like, well, clearly because she ended up hanging herself after she died, but she was so grief stricken, you know, sad story, but I feel like there's gotta be more to that story. Now people do the whole love triangle theory with, I don't know, the family, they they speculate after the death, but we don't know the whole story. We'll never know the whole story because she didn't, writing this stuff down we don't we don't know any of it so it's a sad story but it's another death inside the house so you have lillian you have the maid i'm not entirely sure if uh if hart died inside the house it just said he died i'm assuming he didn't die in the house because i feel like they would have said such things but he died i'm not entirely sure what his cause of death was but so lillian's dead in the house house. so you don't have to die inside of the house to haunt it of course, yeah. I mean, he was only there for a brief period of time. Actually, I might be confusing that with this, the first story. The first story, the guy was only in the house for two years. This one, I don't know how long he was there for. But either way, two deaths inside the house up until that point. And then shortly after, I don't know how long. Every story that I read on this, every source that I had just said shortly after, there was a boy who was visiting the house, and he fell down the stairs and died of his injuries didn't die in the house, I don't believe, because of the way that all of these articles wrote it. But I believe he did die from what happened to him inside the house shortly after. Very sad story. And he was just visiting? He was just visiting. That's tough. That's very tough. Very, very sad story. But, I mean, was it would it have been better if he lived there, Dave? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he lived there. So, you know. Not that sad. Whatever. You lived there. You lived there. You lived in a mansion. Come on. <laughs> no, it is sad. Now his his ghost is like the most prominent ghost in this place. So they do believe that Lillian haunts the mansion. They do believe that the maid haunts the mansion. But his bo- his ghost is the most commonly seen. 
and it's mostly seen by children. We've talked about this before, that children and pets, we believe, can see things that adults cannot, or they're more sensitive to it. And to a point where a lot of these families get really creeped out, like they'll be swinging by the restaurant, it's a restaurant now, and their kid will be like, I want to go play with the boy on the stairs. They're like, what boy on the stairs? He's like, I want to go play with the boy on the stairs. He said he wants to play with me. I'm like, all right, whatever, go play with the boy on the stairs. Or, you know, some families might say that. Some families might be like, shut up, sit down and eat your steak. But some of these families get so creeped up that they're like, I need, we need to pay our bill and leave now because there's no boy on the stairs and our kid is talking to a ghost and it's startling. The staircase is, the, the place is really nice looking from the inside. We, we shared some of it in the video portion. The staircase is a creepy old staircase and I could see it being haunted. That's not where the ghost stories end with the staircase. So you get that. And it's not just children that see it. Adults do see it. Staff see it as well. They all report hearing, you know, the playing sounds of a child or laughter, footsteps going up and down the stairs. But, you know, a few adults have also reported to see this ghost on the stairs, not just children. We so it's like very consistency. It is consistency. And it's, it's, it's very scary. But then the other ghost story that's tied to these stairs is one of the spindles underneath the railing fell off one day and it landed down. We shared it in the video as well. There's a bar like right below the staircase. So it landed, it landed flat down on the bar, scared the hell out of everybody. The bartender was like, what, the, what in the world? So they took it and they went back up and they, they, they figured out where it came from and they put it back and it came obviously from the staircase. So they put the, the spindle back, they fixed it, had it repaired and everything. And then one year later to the day, the same spindle falls down again. Now, if it just fell twice and maybe they just jerry-rigged it back up there or Mickey Mouse the job or whatever, you could see it falling. But the fact that it fell down again on the same day a year later is is wild. Right. It, it's the fact that it took a full year for it also to fall again. Or it didn't fall immediately means it was probably reinstalled properly. Mm -hmm. So it is it's pretty weird for it to fall again on the exact same day. It is. It is. And now they're, they're speculating that this might be the anniversary of the boy's death or at least the anniversary of the accident we don't know what the actual date was but if we did and if that did coincide that would be wild that would be then that is like absolutely verified haunting right absolutely so since i'm not going to go back and fix this i will address this for those of you who have the ear the keen ear to notice sometimes we're not perfect mostly rob but mostly. today i punched in a few a, a few audio takes and usually when I do it, it's unnoticeable. You guys probably never noticed them before. Maybe you notice them here and there. You'll definitely notice them going forward. So I'm really- Why, why are you pointing this out so that they- Hey, I'm just stop. spitting in the dark here. I'm spitting in the dark, all right? <laughs> <laughs> my problem was I recorded, I recorded my punch-ins in the morning and my voice was all deep and sexy-like. <laughs> and it was fucking so obvious. <laughs> in, this, in this lighthouse. It's just Jesse going like- in Toronto in 1792. In the lighthouse over on York Pond. York Pond. Good old so York fucking Pond. York Pond. I'm just, I'm, dude, I'm just. It probably is. In the dark. One star review coming in in an extra deep voice is going to say, actually, actually, there is a York Park. <laughs> and all this is haunting it. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Yep. Even, even though he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, you will not make fun of my voice. I have been saving this audio drop for months, and now I'm going to use it. So it's time that all of us get back to work. <laughs> get back oh, no. to work. It's on a loop. <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry. I, I saw that. I was not expecting it a second time. <laughs> Neither was I. It was on a loop. actually scared me. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Can you tell we're a little rusty after taking a few weeks off from a regular episode? This, not. this is going great. Mm. Another ghost story. Right, just York. get back to work. And start right, I, will, I, will, ghost I, will. I won't even talk about Fort York anymore. I forgot which location we're talking about. Uh, that's pretty much <laughs> it for the, for the hauntings over here. Uh, oh, no, it's not. It's not because you also had your creepy feet story. That's right. And I was just making that video to the ghost story that you sent me, Dave. Obviously, Dave had the guest ghost story this morning. I'm like, Rob's going to love this video. It's all about feet. Rob's <laughs> <laughs> Rob has the opposite of a foot fetish for those things that was that was slighted the other way. It is not. This but, was uh, this was funny because the actual ghost story that I based that story on had nothing to do with bare feet. I just added that for Rob. <laughs> but it is it is a story in this place, and it was she had seen these feet in the bathroom. The most startling part of this story was all of the stall doors opening at the same time, which is a true part of the story. That's like that stuff happens. I'm just <laughs> we like a good ghost story, but that would that would scare the absolute shit out of me. And I would be because there's no explanation for it. None. Not a single natural explanation for something like that happening that I can think of. I don't know. Maybe you can think of one. But for me, all I'm opening at the same time, unless mm -hmm. there was like a unless I mean, I've never seen it like a mechanically opening bathroom. That'd be crazy. No, <laughs> what a waste like of money. That would be. No. <laughs> yeah. Not in yeah. this place. No, no, absolutely not. But it is still open. I did Google it right before we started the show. And it's still in business. Open until midnight if you're in the Toronto area. You can still make it. You can still make it. And live stream from the bathroom. They love when you do that. They do <laughs> at the same time. It's perfect. You don't get arrested. It's Canada. Yeah, I was going to say, no, nothing wrong with whipping your camera out in a public restroom. People love that. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's why we keep Ron Mesh special on retainer. On speed dial tonight. Mm. <laughs> so that's that. those are the locations that we covered in, in Haunted Toronto. I don't want to touch on too many more locations because I do want to save the rest for part two. And there are many more good ones. You have... Uh, the University of Toronto's haunted. You have haunted jails. You have other haunted homes. You have other haunted mansions. All sorts of haunted places in Toronto with some terrifying stories as well. So didn't want to steal all the good ones and jam into one episode. So I go back for part two and like, and here's the shitty ones. <laughs> part two to be a banger as well. You you yelled at me about that for an episode when I didn't start a town with the most haunted place that there was. I only there. yelled at you because you didn't tell us that you weren't going to cover the most haunted location <laughs> in the place. So I only researched that one haunted place. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So right. we're not covering it. We're like, hey, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Rob. We're making bad jokes about poetry. Oh, I love it. It's just what the show is at this point. Hey, hey. great jokes about poetry. We're going to, we're going to start a poetry podcast and it's going to be called spitting in the dark. <laughs> that actually sounds like a pretty decent name for a podcast mm, spitting in the dark you guys are gonna be so surprised when i'm not on the show next week and i'm hosting my own show called spitting in the dark <laughs> people are gonna uh, think that's a very different show <laughs> <laughs> maybe i won't all right. <laughs> um all right well i mean if, since that covers toronto do we want to get into some five-star reviews here yeah let's, let's talk about the reviews all right so we got two this week the first one is from Evil Happy Bunny Queen, titled Love, Love, Love. I am constantly looking for great ghost and paranormal podcasts and came upon yours and am hooked and binging all the episodes. The podcast got me interested in your YouTube channel and just started 
watching episodes that I've already listened to, but watching the YouTube shows with all the visuals takes it to the next level. Keep up the great work. And this brings up an excellent point because the way you should be watching and listening to hometown ghost stories is you should be watching the live on Tuesday nights. Then you should be downloading and listening to the audio the next day. When you get home from work that night or day, then you should be watching the YouTube again. And then you just go in an endless cycle until the next week and you listen to it about 50 times. And then you start all over again the following Tuesday. So I just wanted to point that out as well. Perfectly reasonable. Yep. We yeah, want everyone sense. to hate us by the time they <laughs> show up for the next episode. Everybody already hates us. They I have. thought I was. Let's <laughs> put them through that. Um, and the other one is from Ricky H titled absolutely love this show. I've been binging this show ever since I found out about it from Chris from haunted American history. Shout out to Chris and, and haunted American history. I live in New Jersey. I also live like 10 minutes away from a union prison camp called pea patch Island. You have to take a ferry to the center of the Delaware river to get there. I really would love to hear you guys cover this story. I love the discussion videos about the locations and the great comical aspect you guys give off. You'll remind me of me and my friends. Definitely number one, recommend this pod. Definitely a number one recommended podcast to me. Keep up the great work, guys. Love it. Um, I love covering Haunted Island, so I will definitely take a look into Pea Patch Island over there in New Jersey. The only deciding factor for Rob is, has there been a poem written about that location? If so, then he will cover it. If not... Then he will be on to the next one. True. Or Make I'll sure your suggestions own. are extra poetic. I will write my own poem if I have to. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Any other ones or shall we hop into our patron names? No, let's get into some patron names. All right. Let me refresh just in case anyone updated anything. Our first VIP is Dave D, who we're pretty sure is not dead. But we dedicate <laughs> this episode to him regardless. In memoriam to the very alive Dave D. We have to have get, we have to establish a way to find out and make sure that our VIP patrons are not dying after we <laughs> dedicate an episode to them, just to make sure. If you could give us a wellness thing. check every hour going forward <laughs> before we do an episode, that'd be great. All right, we also have Kate and Steve M. We have Blazora Lost in Colorado Mountains. We have Glitter Tees Cammy from Washington. Jennifer P. Dakota G. We have Nick Donnie N. Inspires Gaming. Allison V. Robert H. We have Rob Loves Ohio and Soup. We have Jort Wearing Cola Sipping Evangelizing Alien. Mm. Is that how you say that word? Evangelizing. I believe so. Evangelizing. Alien. Evangelizing. <laughs> we have Mallory K. We have Demon King. We have Mom and Pops W and Lisa J. Thank you so much for being VIPs. Next up, we have the Warrens Wards kicking it off with Nefarious Chad Poles. We have Wahini Pirate. I hate Rob. Eugene M. Arcade Hunters, who is hanging out in the Discord pre-show hangout. Thank you for swinging by. We have Siobhan, not Sharon. We have Kath Q, Liz Young, DC. We have Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HTGS guest. We have the other Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten. We have Ambie Rose, Janice G. We have Drunk Rub running the streets in a Batman onesie. <laughs> we know that tale. We have Lily. We have Rachel B. We have Captain McTibbles enjoys, enjoys the top shelf red Robin liquor. <laughs> <laughs> For Red Robin, that is top shelf, right? It's got to be. Wait, right, was we that have... pre-show or was that actually on this episode? That was on this episode, I'm pretty right. sure. Right? Long day. Yeah, cutting Long the liquor, day. frozen. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Which garbage jokes do we make this episode? <laughs> we have premium TGI Friday's Wi-Fi. We have the Sydney B. 
Papa Squatch. We have Mike, the epitome of mischievous nuclear herbs, Black. It's supposed <laughs> to be Blake. But we have Jake V. We have Haunting Barefoot in the Bathroom. <laughs> Steph A, very good. That is our Warren's Wards. And next up, we have the Ghost Parrot Mafia. Boom, boom, boom. I wish Patreon's website didn't make me do all these extra steps. Really ruins the flow of things. We have Angel F. We have Monster Mom 04. We have Reed M. We have I'm Just Here for Rob's Poetry. Look at that. Yeah. We have Shannon K. That's what Lacey said. We have Allie. We have Dark Snark. We have Thanks for All the Hard Work. This episode is good. I'm sorry. We have thanks for all the hard work this episode. Good job, Jesse and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we have one of Ghost Rob's Eated Orphans. We have Megan Swain. We are twins. It's fine. We have Morgan Swain. We have Mark Twain in the Haunted Great. We have Julie S. Sharon V. We have Wayne C. Kelly C. We have I Spit in the Dark and the list listed frog bits snaps to chat. <laughs> I think I got that right, Nancy. I'm not sure. <laughs> There's plenty of characters. If you want to put spaces in between your words going forward, it's much easier for me to read them out. We have Crystal <laughs> Quinn, Aaron A, Mina H. We have Colby. We have Daddy Rob Loves Bonging in Ohio with Dave's Haunted Hat. We have Alicia E. We have Thick Boy Freddy, allegedly half of the sudden yeeting a lighthouse ghost that was watered down booze. <laughs> we have Pork Fiction. There's some good pork variations going on week to week here with this pork name. Pork fiction. We have Jesse's allegedly sexy poetry voice mouth spitting in the dark at Rob's feet. <laughs> oh, look, Sam we have uh, Tales Told in the Dark in chat. Almost hey. like spitting in the dark. Hell yeah. Same oh, thing. Really? Yep. We have Sam from Nepal. We have Joe R. We have Paul from St. Louis. Oh, sorry. Joe R. Nagati Kangaroo. I feel like you I always say that with such low confidence. I don't because there's a thing over the A. Oh. I haven't gotten that far yet. I don't know how to read that. <laughs> Come on, we have are. none of that in the English language. None of those little <laughs> yeah. things. We have like apostrophes. That's it. <laughs> Extra fancy. We have Ashley M. Al Capone, Paul from St. Louis. If I didn't say that already, Huggy Bear. We have Childs was the thing at the end of the movie. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We now only have to give a spoiler for Patreon names, too. We have Solar Flare. We have Mariah M. We have Kiralee J. Anthony, the Sideways Walking Crab IT. Brandon W. Hooper, the Hellhound. Dave vs. 100 Alpha Frogs. And we have Burlington Hammerdick. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys so much for being on Patreon. We do appreciate that. Joe says in chat, she says, it means, I don't know, because you put another thing over the A. I can't read that one either. Maori living in Australia. I think what if, what if maybe if you say it with an Australian accent, it's a Maori. <laughs> Still don't know what that means. I don't know either. I'm having a tough time. Oh, man, I, I'm I'm stuck on hammer dick. <laughs> <laughs> what is the reference? I don't get. I don't know what it was, but it made me laugh. Was, was it Julius Hammerdick? I don't even remember the first name. No, it was Burlington. 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 It's even better. Burlington Hammerdick. Oh, Jessica yeah. Lamelli says the pronunciation of that word is Maori. Okay, Maori. Maori. Yeah. Perfect. Ah, yes, Joe R says I'm spot on. Hell well, yeah. give the credit to Jessica. <laughs> no, I pronounced it before. Oh, okay. Oh, you did. All right. It was the uh, it was the Australian accent that did it. Yeah. See, Rob's against us doing the accents, but when we do, we say things correctly. That's right. Mm. That's right. Um, all right, so, so we start talking about some of the stuff we have coming up in this week and future weeks real quick since we kind of did all, yeah. a little bit of a reset. Yeah. So 
most of the things are going to stay the same. We have our, we're going back to our normal side content schedule with a little twist, but this week, Friday's episode will be us covering the vampire panic in New England in the 17 and 1800s, which is going to be a lot of fun, but we're also going to be some, doing something new for side content. Uh, once a month, we are going to be covering legitimate news stories in the paranormal world. So like we'll be covering three to four, five, depending on how long they are. So if you are interested in a, if you find an interesting article that you want us to cover that month, send it to us in an email, post it on discord and we'll take a look at it and see if we can sneak it in there and start talking about that as well. But I think that's going to be like, uh, unlike haunted headlines, we want, these are going to be like current events, right? Yeah. These are, these are going to be all like relatively current events. So, but it doesn't have to just be ghosts. It can be, it can be cryptids. It can be aliens. It can be whatever you want. We're just going to kind of shoot the shit on all things paranormal for an episode a month. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll make a, uh, text channel for it on discord if we haven't already rachel b says she's going to take a trip down to mercy brown's grave tomorrow which we were Probably. talking about that in the patreon pre-show hangout so she's like 10 minutes from this girl's grave that would be super awesome uh if you do definitely post some of those pictures up in discord if the weather is terrible we understand if you want to wait but if you're not in the discord yet make sure you join the link is always in the show notes and go check that out and um yeah i think next tuesday northumberland uk the haunted Bambra Castle. Bambra. 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 Destiny is all. I know what that's from. <laughs> yeah. I know what that's from. Love that. Babenberg. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for some uh excited for some British accents. You know? mm-hmm. And to Sydney's question, the horror games will be coming around again soon. It will be different iterations though. We'll still probably do some of the stuff we were doing before, but I plan on playing through some single player stuff. And if Jesse or Dave or both want to jump on while we're playing through, and then that's cool too. If not, it'll be solo. Sounds good. Cool. I'm always in. Sounds like a plan. All right. That'll pretty much do it for all you guys. We will see you next week for a live episode on Tuesday and back on Friday for some side content. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks to all the patrons and everyone who subscribed on YouTube. We appreciate you. Make sure you drop a like below and subscribe to all your friends. See you next time. Bye. Peace. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.